Our next storyteller. Next storyteller. Your next storyteller. Our next storyteller. Hello and welcome to The Narrators. This podcast collects stories from our live events where people share true stories based on a theme. Hey there, it's Ron. So last month, our 10th anniversary live show was canceled due to the coronavirus. And our live show for April has also been canceled. And I was so damn depressed about all that that I let this podcast go silent for a month. Um, uh, the Narrators is a storytelling show, but what we're really trying to do is build empathy and compassion for our fellow humans. And right now, I guess that's what we're all doing. We're putting that empathy to the test and isolating ourselves. We're trying to protect one another. But that doesn't mean we need to be alone. Um, I like to think of every episode of this podcast like a little 10-minute friend, a place where you can escape when you need a break from the insanity and you just want to listen to someone else for a little while. So we're back. Uh, and since the world is a little different right now, we're going to try something a little different too. For the next couple of episodes, I'm going to bring in folks from our community to introduce a story they want to hear or to share a story of their own. And this week, I have a very special person here with me, my wonderful co-host, Erin Rollman. I'm so not with you right now. I'm so across the city from you. <laughs> <laughs> they know what we mean. They know what I mean. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, Aaron's right. We are recording remotely from our respective homes right now. How have you been? Oh, up and down, up and down. I was so sad not seeing you last month. I think that was the first time in like three years that I didn't spend the third Wednesday of the month with you. And it's the first time we've ever had to cancel a show. Yeah, it was very, it was very weird to not have, to not be able to see you and to not have our community in general together. I mean, obviously... That's what the narrators is about. That's what my business, Bupport Theater, is about. And uh, it's a strange, it's a strange new world right now. Yeah, it is a strange, strange world. But, uh, you know, we've got this podcast still. Yeah. And our producer, Sydney, is back safely from Vietnam. So that's exciting. And she's putting together this monthly newsletter that we're going to try sending out. Yep, that's true. And you are the guest on the podcast this week, which is great. So, Aaron. What story do you want to hear from the narrator's live show? Um, I'm picking a brand new story. I picked a story by Mitch Levick from just February of 2020. Uh, it feels like a thousand years ago. It does feel like a thousand years ago. But strangely, it was it was very recent. It was, in fact, our last live show. Um, the theme was over the top that night. And I specifically reached out to Mitch because I uh, knew that he had some things to share. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you both did. We both did. And so uh, we both ended up talking about the summer of 2005, which our friend group, which probably consisted of around 30 to 40 participants in this, uh, we called it the summer of fun. 2005 was a summer of fun. And we created this calendar of events to do with one another. And they ranged from really absurd things to just sort of like, oh, this is a dance night out at a club. Um, and so some of the events that we did, there was Insomnimania, where several of us, uh, I think the goal was to stay up for 60 hours. <laughs> so crazy. Mitch hit something obscene, like 80 hours or something. We'd have to talk to him about what he actually hit. Uh, so several of us uh, hit 60 hours, but we had this whole group of people who were not participating, who were sleeping at night, helping us out, helping us to stay awake. Um, there was a neighborhood miniature golf course where there was a different hole at every house that you traveled to and everybody dressed up in golf gear. <laughs> Amazing. 
Uh, Mitch and Sam have known each other since kindergarten. And so the, in my backyard, I held a quiz of who knows each other better, Mitch or Sam. Yeah, Sam from Bumport. Yeah, Sam from Bumport. And I collected all this information from both of them and then uh, quizzed them. And But it was like people were there to watch it. There was a soccer mom day where people who wanted to be the soccer mom could be, and then they got to pick who their kids were. And then you got to pick if you were the kind of soccer mom that brought orange slices or took your kids through the McDonald's drive through before soccer. And then all <laughs> the kids played soccer while the mom sat on the sidelines. Uh-huh. <laughs> Lots of themed parties. Uh, we would go to events thrown by other people, of course, dance nights. There were random things like you would pick your secret partner, your secret best friend, and your secret arch nemesis. And this had no bearing on anything except for your personal experiences when you would get in groups with people. You would know who your secret best friend in the room was. Just goofy stuff. I think it was the summer that a game called Thunder Sneak was invented. I might be wrong. I think that that was the summer. And we would play, uh, you would dress all in black and we would play in this certain area of Wash Park in the dead of the night. Uh, and it had all sorts of rules to it. It was a combination of several different other games. I have never heard of this. I have no idea what that is. Yeah, no, it's, it was a made up. It was a made up game called Thunder Sneak, and we would just go once a week and meet up with each other. There was sort of a capture the flag element, a sort of tag element. It was a it was a jamming together of of, of different uh, games, and it was very fun to play. Oh wow, that's amazing! Oh, it was just a bonkers summer. I mean, it, 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 I, yeah, yeah, it's hard for me to fathom having the kind of energy that we had at that time. And so, uh, on the night that Mitch told the story, I opened the evening with um, a story about a very steeply escalating prank war that he references in his story, but. I guess without further ado, here's my friend Mitch Slevik, a professional fake astronaut at the Denver Museum of Nature and Science, telling his over-the-top story. Hello. So this story also takes place 2005, summer of fun. The most exhausting summer that ever happened. Um, And concurrently with my story is the prank war that... uh, They both lasted for a long time. So at some point in the story, I was definitely covered in glitter and wearing one of Aaron's dresses. So feel free to imagine that. (laughs) This is the story of the scrappy underdog dance crew, the B-Team. And this story begins on a night much like tonight, in that it was a Wednesday. Besides that, it was totally different. Uh, It was 2005, it was the summer, it was really warm out, no snow. But it was a Wednesday. And I know that because in 2005, Wednesdays, we're 80s night at the High Dive. And this particular Wednesday, my friend and I, Kurt, went out to the High Dive to dance to the 80s music. Um, it was a great night. We jumped on the floor with our traditional, uh, you know, enthusiastic abandon. And we were having a great night. It was our dance floor until a couple of our friends showed up. And for the purpose of this story, we'll refer to them as um, uh, Dr. Funky Pants and the octopus. Uh, so Dr. Funky Pants and the octopus show up, and they're great dancers. They were like in a breakdancing crew in college, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they were friends. One of them happens to be the guy from Aaron's story that we pop, put all the balloons full of glitter in his closet. So uh, give him a little credit. Um, <laughs> he's been through some stuff. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so they showed up, and pretty soon it was their dance floor. Which is fine. There's room for everybody. We all had a great time. But on the way home, my friend Kurt remarked to me. He was like, Mitch, you and I are captains of the B team. This is where I need to give you some context. I love dance movies. 
I love them. I was only five when the genre-defining films Breakin' and Breakin' 2 Electric Boogaloo came out. They came out the same year. Uh, but when I discovered them, they really did. <laughs> uh, when I discovered them in college, I watched those films so much, I became obsessed. And this was 2005, one year after the, one of the greatest entries in the dance movie genre, You Got Served, had come out. That's all to say so that when Kurt said to me, you and I are captains of the B team, I said, you're right, Kurt. We do need to get some matching outfits, learn some choreography, and battle back dominance of the dance floor. So the B team was formed, kind of. Two people does not make a dance squad. Um, it's actually kind of a plot point in the 1984 film Breakin'. Um, that's my point. Anyway, uh, so we went and found the best. We went and found the next four people who were willing to join our dance team. Uh, including tonight's host, Aaron Rollman. <laughs> and we had our big dance team meeting. We decided that our colors were going to be camouflage and silver. <laughs> and that our team motto was courage on the dance floor. Because we might not have precision on the dance floor or talent on the dance floor, but we had courage on the dance floor. And uh, we started to work on our choreography. We Frankenstein together choreography that we stole from Madonna's Vogue music video, the cheerleading film Bring It On, um, and the Disney musical Newsies. And you might be wondering, why didn't we use choreography from those other films I mentioned? Breakin', Breakin' 2, You Got Served. And let me put it like this. We really needed films where they took actors and tried to make them dance, and not films where they took dancers and tried to make them act. Which might sound like a subtle difference, but it really isn't. Um, to the point that if you're watching a dance movie and one character is like a terrible actor, or even better, they don't even let them talk, watch out. That character is gonna throw down on the dance floor. Uh, so anyway, we had our Frankenstein choreography. We did try to take choreography from You Got Served, but man, we watched that movie so many times, there is not one thing those dancers do that we could imitate. Not one, except Sometimes they do something awesome, and then they strike a pose. And we were like, we can do that. <laughs> so we came up with our signature, which is after we did one of our bits of choreography, we'd find a pose where at least one of us was calmly sipping tea. <laughs> like it was no big deal what we just did. So, <laughs> so pretty soon, we were ready. Aaron made awesome shirts, camouflage t-shirts that said in silver letters, B-team on the front, courage on the dance floor on the back. And we waited till we were all at the club together. All six of us in the B team were there wearing our camo shirts, uh, but other shirts over them so no one would know what was about to happen. And uh, Dr. Funky Pants and the Octopus showed up, and one of their other friends from Fort Collins came down. We'll call him uh, Lil Abs. Yeah. <laughs> so Lil Abs, the Octopus, and Dr. Funky Pants, we waited until they were standing kind of near each other, and they had no idea what was about to happen. They didn't even know they were on a dance crew. Uh, much less they were about to get battled. So we waited till like the right song came on. And then... So at this point, Mitch took off his shirt and revealed his dance crew uniform. If you want to see the photos, go visit thenarrators.org. And we rolled up on them and we were like, Hey! A team. And they were like, who? 
And we're like, they're confused, get them. So we busted out our, our many armed Vogue choreography. Uh, and then they were like, what's happening? So we're like, we're, they're on the run, keep going. And we did our high school cheerleader choreography with a little Broadway flair. Uh, and then we just got excited. We used our final piece of choreography, which was a dangerous bit. We didn't realize it was dangerous until we tried to do it again years later, and I dropped Erin on her head. Sorry, Erin. She said she's okay. Okay, so, uh, and it was awesome. And you know what? Didn't drop her that night, by the way. Everything went great, and they had no response. Uh, partially because, as Erin reminded me, um, Dr. Funky Pants was doubled over on the floor crying because he was laughing so hard. <laughs> Uh, at how awesome our dance moves were, pretty sure. And if only that were the end of the story. Um, <laughs> in retrospect, we had a couple of mistakes. Um, our friends were in a breakdancing crew. They actually like went to competitions. Unlike us, this was not their first dance battle. Um, <laughs> so they snuck out into the alley to prepare a response. Uh, which we might have noticed, but we were having important conversations like, um, hey, Aaron, are you a waiter? No, I'm not a waiter. Why would you ask? Oh, I just noticed that when you went over there, those people got served! <laughs> <laughs> and as a result, we were caught totally by surprise uh, when Dr. Fun Funky Pants, the octopus, and little abs came back and all of a sudden started dancing like robots like three of the same robot in perfect synchrony. And then like one of them spun on his head, someone jumped over us. It was wild. Uh, and we realized our second mistake, which was that the only advantages we had coming into the night were the element of surprise uh, and the three short bits of choreography that we had prepared <laughs> that we had already used. Uh, so we had no response. We did have, we'd been working on a bit based on what we thought the tango was. Um, but it, it was not enough to turn the tide. Uh, but that's not the end of the story either. I'm sure you all remember the pivotal scene in the 2004 film, You Got Served, uh, when the heroes are handed a manila envelope. Inside the manila envelope, a VHS cassette. On the VHS cassette, a videotaped dance challenge, crew to crew, with the, the pot of $5,000. So that exact same thing happened to us. <laughs> Almost. Uh, it was a, not a VHS tape, it was a handwritten note, and it was not $5,000. The stakes were, there were no stakes, just for fun. But we received a dance challenge in an envelope from a completely different uh, quarter we weren't expecting. Um, this is from our friend, let's call her uh, Nimble Unicorn. So Nimble Unicorn had been in a dance class and had decided that her dance class was going to challenge us. She did not tell the rest of her dance class this. <laughs> until the challenge was out there and it was too late and they had to do it. Um, so this really built, like the, the legend of the B team had spread. So our ranks swelled to probably like 15 people and our rival crew, Solvita, had a similar number. So when the night came for the final battle, it was a totally different picture. No sneaky dance crew hiding in disguise. It was, there were probably 30 people in the club either wearing the camo and silver of the B team or the brown and pink of Solvita. And when the time came to battle, we cleared out the center of the dance floor. The DJ played our song. It was just like all of my dreams, watching all those dance floor. <laughs> and it was amazing. There were human pyramids. Solvita brought out a masked dancer whose identity was revealed partway through the night. Uh, 
We did some, uh, Sam of Bunport was also on our crew. We did some like dance she had done in fourth grade uh, for a talent show. Um, one of our members tore off his shirt and he had shaved the Spider-Man logo in his chest hair. And then our final move was when I did a triple time step, which is a real dance thing that I learned. Can't do it anymore. But, uh, <laughs> and then I turned around backwards. One of my team members pulled down my pants. And there, across the butt of my camouflage underwear, the word in silver, served. <laughs> and just like every great dance battle, every single member of both crews left positive that they had won the night. Um, but of course, we were all winners for the... Ex- no, there was a real winner. And if you look back at the annals of human history... The ultimate winner is usually determined by whoever tells the story. And that's why tonight, this is the story about how the B team totally won that awesome 2005 dance off. We did it! We did it! We won! It only took 15 years. We did it. The Narrators was created by Andrew Orvidal and is produced by Ron Doyle, Sidney Crane, and me, Aaron Rollman, with help from Karen Wachtel, Scott Carney, and Jesse Witten. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Buntport Theatre Company, Illegal Pete's, From the Hip Photo, and Great Divide Brewing Company. Our theme music is by Whale Hawk, and we'd also like to thank Nathan Hall, who provided the outro music you are listening to right now. We have a link to all of Nathan's music available on our website, including an album he just made for a Buntport show that we have not been able to show to anyone uh, called Cabaret de Profundas or How to Sing While Ugly Crying. For more information about today's storyteller or the narrators, check out the show notes for this episode or visit thenarrators.org. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 